0: all right welcome into this episode of the hopeless Sports Magic podcast i'm your host taylor and i've got mike the mad dog with me talking some georgia football as we head in towards the uh, college football playoff the sec championship game just ended about a week ago from today and now we sit and we wait for new year's eve before the college football gets underway college football playoff gets underway and we'll have some bowl games mixed in between but we got two dogs here with me. So uh, we're worried much more about the CFP. But first, Mike, I want to get uh, just some of your thoughts on uh, what did you what did you see during the uh, SEC championship game last week?
1: I saw the offense. I was very impressed with uh, the, the precision of Stetson. He just seemed like he was in the zone. He was ready. I mean, in targeting Darnell Washington, you know, in the red zone, I, you have no idea how many times I've been screaming that at my TV like all year. Why, are we, when we struggle in the red zone, why are we using this this ridiculously large tight end that we have? He's, I mean, he moves people off the line like it's nothing. He, you know, run games, they get behind him. He's awesome. I mean, I saw a lot of um, McConkey looked really good until he went out. You know, with with a knee, but they said that was just tendonitis, so he should be fine. They just wanted to make sure he was all right. I thought he was on fire. That uh, the, the turnovers. I mean, honestly, who would have thought? I thought the I thought the ball bounced off the ground when it came off that LSU player's helmet, and it, and then once they slowed it down, I realized it because the, I was like, why are they catching the ball and running? It didn't bounce off the ground. They saw it, we didn't, because it was right in front of them. It hit his helmet, and it kept going. So I thought that was awesome. I saw a lot of uh, focus. Uh, the secondary was. Uh, you know, bother me a little bit because they were able to score 30 points on them. But I think uh, with a little bit of rest is three weeks. They'll be, they'll be back in gear. I think everything will be all right, especially for the uh, Ohio state game, which I'm a little, I, the closer it gets, the more I'll probably be a little nervous about it, but I'm, I'm cautious about it right now.
0: Yeah. There's definitely for me as a Georgia fan, no matter how confident I am heading into the game throughout the week, I'm still going to be nervous before we, uh, get that before the opening kickoff and once the game kind of gets going it takes me a bit to kind of relax even regardless of who the opponent is just because it's uh especially with those noon kickoffs you kind of never know who's who's gonna show up and what the game plan is i hate noon kickoffs same same thing but uh i think some of the the issues they had defensively on the touchdown to Malik Neighbors, I think Malachi Starch just misjudged the ball in the air. That's kind of what Kirby alluded to in the post game press conference. I think he just, if he takes a deeper angle to that, he's able to get in front of it, make a pick. It's a learning thing. He for certainly him. got high enough. Yeah. It's – it's. Uh, I think some of that was also just the adjustment of we saw when it went from Jaden Daniels to Garrett Nussmeyer at quarterback, the game plan offensively for LSU completely changed. They went from much more of using mobility, using quick hitters and tempo to, all right, we got this kid with a cannon back here that's got a NFL dad. We're just going to cut him loose. We got nothing else to lose. And he played with kind of that Brett Favre gunslinger mentality for sure. And I think that kind of raised a few questions on what their quarterback situation is going to look like. But I think what I've... Heard from the LSU guys I've talked to is that he's these little too much of a loose cannon and the turnovers kind of become an issue, especially we saw him throw a pick to Chris Smith late in the game. But offensively, outside of the turnovers, I think that's really the only thing you can complain about for Georgia. And um, the running game looked phenomenal. I loved how Kendall Milton looked with showing some explosiveness, getting the second level, the touchdown with Kenny McIntosh or Darnell Washington cleared out two or three guys. And yeah, yeah.
1: Milton has really come into his own as far as like finding holes. Yeah. Like before, I, I wasn't really kind of sold on Milton. Like everybody talked him up, and then, and then I understand he was hurt a little bit. But he he once he gets out, he's gone. And it was it's very it's very great because he'll everybody wonders why you run up the middle. You always see people why do we run up the middle. Why do we run up the middle? They always say that. But then Milton shows you why you run up the middle because he sees things. He seems to break through holes and just squeezes by. And once he gets through, he's gone. And it take, you know, and I knew I was like, man, once the secondary has to get involved with tackling him, it's over. Like he, he he did really well. I, I love that touchdown. He's he's very explosive. Macintosh um, um, seemed like they were doing much better when they were running to the outside, um, especially on that touchdown play. The blocking was was excellent. He made the corner just in time. I mean, they timed that just right. It was it was awesome. Everything was clicking on the offense. It was the defense secondary that I had a problem with in the SEC championship. But I heard that they were a little they were a little dinged up too, and that you know we need this three week rest before we play Ohio State. So I think that uh, I think this rest will actually do them some good. But uh, that was the only thing I had a problem with was the secondary. Other than that, the offense looked phenomenal. Everything was dialed in. I, I, I can't say anything enough about it. It's
0: crazy. Yeah, Stetson's always been the guy that the bigger the moment is, the better he plays. And you get to – I know LSU is definitely not the the best uh, divisional winner in college football. This year this game didn't really have the kind of weight to it that we typically see from the SEC championship game. But it's still I think – the monitor of being an sec champion especially with the fact that georgia didn't win in atlanta last year yeah i think that was kind of uh a point of emphasis for them heading into this game but you got like you said we got the three week wet three week rest i feel like that's kind of a tongue twister but um (laughs) you got uh ohio state coming down and i think the, the biggest thing i'm looking for with them is i think they have the best wide receiver in the country marvin harrison jr and they've got plenty of other guys behind them. Now the production has been kind of inconsistent from the two through five receivers from them, but they did kind of pick it up a little bit. And obviously with that loss to Michigan and they're uh, in Columbus, I think that's added some little bit of motivation for them, but uh, what's, what's kind of the matchup you're looking for in terms of this uh, semifinal game in Atlanta? I'm I'm thinking that the secondary needs to play exactly
1: the way they played against Tennessee, they took every weapon away from and Hooker, everything, and they need to—they need to leave Stroud to feel like he's stranded on an island. They need to make—they need to take everything away from him. They don't need to—to to give him any kind of hope. They need to make him scramble, have the, have the receivers come in, anything like that. They rely on the run game, make him one-dimensional, and that's why I, I was hoping that the secondary would look better than it did against LSU. Because if that's not—that would be a problem. And part of me kind of hopes that. Ohio State is looking at that film because I don't think we're going to look like that in in this coming up game. So maybe they're looking at that thinking that's how we're going to be. And that's how, you know, and that's not I hope that's not how we're going to be. We need to cut off every weapon he's got on the outside. And I know that's easier said than done, but uh, Kirby's done it before, especially with everybody healthy. That's the one good thing. I mean, this month seems to drag on and on when we're ready for football. We just got through the SEC championship. We're all on a high. Everybody's happy. Everybody's, oh, we're NCC champs, you know. It, 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 Stets is up there at the Heisman. Everybody's talking. It's all, it's, it's Georgia's flavor of the month. and We got to keep that momentum going. We can't just fall flat during this game. I think we need to keep it going. And I think that, uh, they Kirby will be able to do it. I really do. Just secondary is the only thing I was worried about. Um, I think everything else will be fine.
0: I'm taking a lot of notes. For if I'm Kirby I'm looking a lot at of, of what Michigan did offensively. Obviously I don't I think Michigan I think Ohio State's kind of learned from that a little bit I don't think we're gonna see nearly as much cover zero and just sending sending the house at Stetson Bennett. but you got that game and then you've got uh, the Maryland game as well where they were able to hit some plays and Maryland game they were looking to get away from. I would look at that.
1: Any game, I know you can look at. You got time to look at any film. but Any game where they were cutting it close, any game where 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 they they squeaked by. I know they're probably looking at the Missouri game for us. They're looking at the Kent State game. For God's sakes, I can't even talk about that game. I can't believe you know we were, we were we were getting burned by wide receivers in that game too. I think one of them hit the transfer portal and they're possibly looking to come to Georgia. And I think Kirby realized that while he was watching that game, I'd like that kid to be on my team. So that could be what's happening right yeah. now. Um, But I think that we – yeah, the Maryland game I would look at more, I think, than the Michigan game. The Michigan game, I I, I don't know – you would think that they – I thought they put up more of a fight, especially because they had lost the year before. And I know that rivalry is ridiculously heated. Like, they can't stand one another, more so than a lot of other rivalries in in the entire country. So I thought for sure, no, they're not going to let them beat, beat them again. And sure enough, Michigan found a way to do it. I don't know if Ohio State just isn't quite as physical as they really want to be. Everybody keeps talking about their schedule was kind of light. I'm not sure if that's the case. I'm just thinking the Maryland game is what I would focus on, and some of the Michigan game because I think I think they're gonna they're gonna learn from their mistakes. But you know they got a second chance. They got in. So while they were watching everybody else play their championship games, they realized that they got in. So. I don't think they're going to be wanting to just squander it, even though I know they're not going to have their wide receiver because he's going to go um, opt out for the NFL draft.
0: Yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be out for this all college football playoff. Yeah. Uh, the, the reports that I'm hearing is that there's issues with um, kind of his academics. He was not very happy with how Ohio State handled his hamstring situation, and they felt that he um, was rushed back. And his uh, family and his uh, kind of constituents there. Um, And because of that, he ended up re-aggravating his hamstring injury to the extent that it really worsened the injury. And because of that, and kind of in protest, he apparently stopped going to class and wasn't really doing too much. And then because of that, he's academically ineligible and we won't see him in the playoff. And he's going to be focused a lot more on where he's going to end up in April going in the NFL draft. But um, I think that's kind of something that it makes it a little bit easier for um for scouting sake. I think for Kirby and company because we've kind of seen what the Ohio State offense looks like without him more than with him this year uh, because of how much time he's missed throughout the season. But uh, I think you're, you've seen kind of the whole running back room from Ohio State. They're not too. They're very thin uh, in the secondary. One of the things that I've heard from Ohio State fans and the frustration with running blitzing as much as they did against Michigan is they just don't have the dudes in the back end of the defense to play that kind of coverage. And we even see, um, I think somewhat with Georgia, because Georgia can get home with four and get pressure without really blitzing. You don't see that too much. But even then now, with how spread out and how wide open the offenses are, you don't see nearly as much blitzing so with that that's why i'm looking at you know Jalen Carter's going to produce he's already done it last year in the playoffs and then the natty i want to see somebody else on that d-line nazir stackhouse michael williams any one of those guys has to have a big time game i'd I like to
1: see carter pick up Stroud, like you know like you <laughs> know with one arm yeah although i think that was one in a lifetime play i don't think they're going to be able to do that again but it would be funny if he like repeats it, you'd be like, Is this gonna be a thing now until he till he leaves? He's just gonna pick people up. I thought that was more humiliating than actually tackling the quarterback. That you know, like you could when you slam him down, it's kinda of humiliating, but to sit there and hold him like a small child and just hold up your hold up one finger. And you know, the quarterback gotta be like, Look, dude, put me down. Seriously, can you just can you just put me down? Everybody else is trying to get him put down. He's just holding. And and you know, LSU fans were livid about that. And I was like, Well, I don't know what to tell you. You know, I mean you got to recruit. And Kirby said it best, there is no coach out there that can out-coach the better players that you have. When you recruit well, it doesn't matter if you call it the craziest schemes in the world. If you've got bigger guys that are out there that's going to stop it, they're going to stop it.
0: You have to have, with with a team like Ohio State, they have Brian Hartline out as the receiver coach, probably the best receiver coach in the country, even looking at getting – even some head coaching jobs at other schools, but has decided to continue continually chooses to stay in Columbus. Um, You got to have the corners that can cover guys one-on-one. There's not really a way there's no CJ Stroud's field vision with a clean pocket is too good. If you play a soft zone and rush three, he'll pick you apart. You got to play man to man. You got to be able to hold up. And we saw Georgia do that against Tennessee. You alluded to that. I just wonder, um, I, I mean, you, we did see Jalen Hyatt win the Balitnikov Award, but I just think with Marvin Harrison Jr., his length, it's a, it's a matchup that's kind of um, something you really have to focus on. Just the length that they have at the receiver position at Ohio State is something that will definitely play into their hands. Um, George has got some smaller corners. Now you have for how well Kamari Lasseter Javon Bullard those guys have been playing outside of Keeley Ringo, little bit undersized at the corner position. So you got to be able to get pressure with four. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm really not too worried about Georgia offensively. I think what we've seen some of these other Big Ten teams do, we saw even Sean Clifford and Penn State make some plays yes. with um, our buddy Aliquippa Bob and Doug DeBias. Some Penn State guys have been protesting Clifford at quarterback for the last couple of years for sure. Um, They still – Parker Washington made some plays for them in that game against uh, the Buckeyes, and then obviously Cornelius Johnson, Donovan Edwards ran all over them, broke off multiple big runs. So um, seeing what we saw from Kendall, you kind of talked about his ability to kind of see the hole and get through it. I think I would love nothing more than to see Kendall break off a big run Against the Buckeyes, like we saw Donovan Edwards do multiple times in Columbus.
1: Yeah, McIntosh and Edwards just seem to be that smash mouth running back. Like they'll run right at you and hit you. And Kendall seems to be a, a, a little, a little bit slicker, a little smoother. I and mean, he finds the hole, and he, you know he's gone. But McIntosh and, and especially Edwards, they will, they, they just, they just run. They'll take a hit and keep going. Like I seen Edwards just keep digging, and people, and like three or four people are on him, and he just keeps digging. And then you see the line get behind him and they push him the same way with McIntosh that's that's something that somebody else was talking about one time how you can get like maybe on well, a three-yard line and get stopped and then the offensive line come up behind the running back which isn't stopping and just keeps digging and just shoves him on in the end zone and you can't what do you do about that you can't really you think we got this guy stopped well no you got three other guys coming in behind him that are just as bigger and they're pushing the whole pile and as long as the whistle isn't blown just keep going. I mean, I, you know, you don't stop. You don't stop when you think the play is over. You you know, and don't even stop when you know the play's over. That just it shows you that drive. Just keep going. And I think that's what, I think that's what Macintosh and Edwards do. Do They just, they have that smash mouth and they, they, they don't care if you hit them in the face. They're just going to keep coming. So I think they'll do good as far as the run game. Now, if we can get our wide receivers, it will make sure that you know, uh, McConkie's okay, and uh, you know we get uh, AD Mitchell back. Hopefully, he's confident enough. We can get him involved more, and we got we got the tight ends. I'd like I'd like to even see you know um, Oscar Delp get out there, but I mean I don't know about the, about this game, but he looked really good on one play that uh, the backup quarterback Carson back threw to him. Like that was a very smooth transitional play. Yeah. Like it was he just very fluid. It didn't seem like he jumped too far, wasn't strained, just turned around, caught the ball. It was it was beautiful. So I think uh I think Stenson will be okay. Like you said, the more the more the, the bigger the moment, it seems like the big the better he plays. So it I mean it doesn't get any bigger than the, than the playoffs. So he's gonna have to be focused and dialed in. And I, I think he will. I think everything else will be all right too.
0: Yeah, the, the key in the run game is going to be Tommy Eichenberg at linebacker for Ohio State. One of the, He's probably the guy that, from going from Kerry Cumes to um, Jim Knowles as the defensive coordinator with Ohio State, he's kind of the guy that's, I think, improved the most in this transitional year for them defensively. I was pleasantly surprised up until the Michigan game. I think we obviously didn't ex- expect the Big Ten to be as – Um, down as it was this year but how much the defense improved just in a one-year period because it takes a few games for guys to get down to the the language and the responsibilities within a new defensive scheme but he's a guy that is very much that c-ball hit ball type linebacker he can go and get guys in the run game he can fight off if you put a a Uh, fullback back back there like you'll see in the Big Ten a lot or you try to put an extra tight end on him Mm -hmm. he can kind of weasel through and make plays in the backfield now the weakness is he's not the best coverage linebacker so if you can get Brock Bowers on him to try to find a way to create that as a mismatch it's definitely something that can be exposed it's just a matter of it's Brock Bowers stuff that we see Every week he's making a big play. You can't put a linebacker on him because he's too fast, and then you can't put a safety on him because he's too big. And uh, I'll be interested to see who's the guy because we kind of see different teams try different things with however they um, try to cover him because you can't can't chop down at their legs anymore. That's kind of a recent rule change that teams were using to – take away some of the tight ends in the passing game. But uh, I obviously we've seen Brock make multiple huge plays in the playoff last year in the orange bowls, scoring touchdowns, scoring touchdowns in the Natty. Making those um, 50, 50 ball catches with him. It's like it's 80, 20, but um, you hit on Darnell Washington. He's another guy in the red zone. Use him in the run game, wear guys down. I want to see us punch it in in a goal to go situation with the run game.
1: I'll tell you a couple other receivers that that, I, that I'm really I I would like to see Blaylock Dominic Blaylock go out with with a bang. I'd like to see him just ball out. He's been a very good clutch receiver when when Stetson needed him. You know he always he, he, I think he's only had like one drop pass this entire season. And Rosemi Jack Saint, when he caught that ball in the back of the end zone that was an NFL like catch because he just didn't get one foot down. He made sure he got both feet down before. And, 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 you know, they do it so fast. The play happens so fast, it seems, with him, Anytime he catches a ball, even when he caught that ball, the champion right there at the goal line, when he catches it, the ball comes in so fast that you almost can't tell if he got it or not. Like, it just – it happens so quick. And then you see him just turn around and he holds it up like, I got it. And then, you know, of course, the referee throws up his arms, to his touchdown. But, that play in the back of the end zone, I thought he was out because you can't tell until they slowed it down. And then when he comes down and you realize, no, not only did he get one in, which is all you need for college, he got both feet in. And I was like, that's an NFL catch. Like he got both feet in the back of the end zone. I love those kind of plays in the back of the end zone. I've always loved those passing plays. Everybody, it just seems so cliche sometimes when you get into the red zone that you're going to run it. I know you know, ninety percent of the time it seems like that's what you're going to do. You're going to run it in. Everybody's going to run it in somehow. Quarterback draw. Somebody's going to go around. We're going to go up the middle. But I love a good crossing route and a play in the back of the end zone. I think that. I think that. And it's got to be timed just right. And you and you probably got to practice the hell out of it. But I really enjoy seeing those kind of plays where you don't expect it. Little play action. Everybody bikes on it, and then you hit one receiver either in the corners. Or the back of the end zone i love to see that especially inside the five i think that's awesome but you got you know like i said timing has to be key on those plays so
0: yeah and it's just sometimes with the with the the goal to go situations you're kind of in a spot where you got to take what the defense gives you if they're trying to take if they're trying to bracket bowers away then you got to get the ball to somebody else you get it to washington think a guy that's kind of become the other aspect of that is they're really using Dejon Edwards a lot more in those type of situations because th- the best way I can describe Dejon is he will have the most spectacular four-yard run you will ever see in your life because yeah. there will be a play where they have a, mis- a busted blocking assignment or there's two or three guys in the backfield and he'll shift his way or juke his way into turning it into a positive play. And that keeps you out of those third and long situations to where you have to throw. And it takes a lot of the pressure off of the uh, opposing defenses when you're able when you're stuck in those kind of down in distances. So if we can keep Ohio state behind the chains and stay in front of the chains, most of the game, I think it's going to be a very positive outcome for the Georgia Bulldogs.
1: I said this when we were playing Tennessee and I always say this, With any team when you're playing an explosive offense, you're playing a really good offense. I always say they can't hurt you if they're sitting on the bench, which means your time, you you know, you can you can use your offense as as a defense as well. If you could put yourself in certain run games and make yourself third and short and convert those and just keep keep eating time off the clock, your time of possession, they can't hurt you when they're sitting over there. You know that offense isn't great, but then if that offense is off the field, it's not doing anything. So if you can keep driving, but you've got to, you know, you got to stay focused. You keep driving. Don't turn the ball over. Make short passes. Get up the middle a little bit. Put yourself in third and one and then convert it. Don't go deep. Don't go crazy. Just convert it. Wear their defense out and leave their offense sitting on the bench and then get down there in the red zone and score. I, I, I think that's key, and I think they should do that a lot in this game coming up to Ohio State. How can it to be sitting on the bench? I've said that time and time. i said that with Hooker. Everybody's like, "What are you going to do about Hooker?" I said, "Leave him sitting on the bench. If you can figure out, if Munkin can dial up plays where you keep your time of possession twice as long as they do, you're going to win this ball game. You know, you can't. They can't do anything if you are sitting over there. He's he's anxious. He's you know he's he's losing his mind, wanting to get back on the field. He can't because our offense just keeps driving, keeps making those short plays out, just throwing out in the flat, running up the middle, and." Now, all of a sudden it was third and one and they did a quarterback draw and they got the first down. Okay. Well, we kept the ball. They're not, you know, we're not going deep. Whereas Tennessee and anybody else, sometimes they're throwing 20, 30 yards and they're moving the ball fast. Well, that doesn't help out your defense when you do that. When you're, when you score light and quick and then you get off the field, your defense just sat down. Can you give them a minute to get something to drink, get a little oxygen kind of rest. That's wearing your defense out. That's how, that's how Tennessee gets in shootouts instead of, Realizing that you know taking control of the game—that's
0: how you let Spencer Rattler score 63 on. That's you.
1: exactly right. I watched that game and in, in total shock. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> just because I—I I mean, I said jokingly, "God, it'd be nice if, if South Carolina won this game. Wouldn't it be great?" You know, because I've been hearing so much about Tennessee. Just take them out. Just just be done. And I, and I told my buddy, I was like, "It's not going to happen." But it'd be nice to see. Well, it started happening, and the more I was sitting there. Everybody kept looking at me while we were watching the game, and I was like, I didn't do this. If I thought I could just will this, I would say George is going to win every game we play. I didn't do this. I had no idea what's happening right now. No clue. That night, I said it time and time again, people were getting up, walking out of the room, doing whatever, coming back in, and I was sitting there, and it had to be like a joke. I was like, South Carolina just scored again. I can't win. And they're like, are you serious? I was like, I'm not lying. They just scored again. They're going to hang 60 on Tennessee. It's insane. And they did. That night, the offense looked so dialed in. Their offense looked so dialed in. I think they could have beat anybody in the SEC. I think if they'd have played that night the way the, 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 against us and we'd have played like we played against Missouri, they'd have killed us. That night, nobody was beating South Carolina. There's just there's just certain nights. Have you ever noticed that with, with some games? Certain nights. Certain any, games, any given Saturday. Any given Saturday. Everything. I've said time and time again, every saturday is every saturday you never know what's going to happen you can look like your quarterback could be a heisman trophy winner and then the next saturday he can't make it he couldn't buy a complete he could not catch a cold it's insane nothing can happen right nothing's gonna happen right it just drives you nuts because you're like what happened in seven days that you uh you you, you forget what i don't know if it's the game plan or what happened but that night rattler looked incredible and he and he made sure Shane, Shane Beamer is probably gonna get a raise and keep his job for a while now. I, I know Beamer. He was so excited when they beat Clemson. He was like, "Where's that trophy? What's the news? The palm tree?" And he was and he was he was so happy
0: about. It. I think that was. I do think that was the best two game stretch that a team has probably played uh, this season to go. You beat You beat Tennessee with that kind of offense and dominating fashion where they scored 63 points and then you go on the road to Clemson, be your in-state rival, take their p- playoff hopes away, just the magnitude of, of that situation. Because there's a very good chance if they – Clemson squeaks that game out, TCU lost in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah. And then they're – and obviously North Carolina had locked up a spot in the ACC championship game against Clemson and we saw them win. They were just kind of – treading water towards the end of the season if not sinking so they they essentially knocked clemson out of the playoff but um i i'm really i'm excited to see how the game being in atlanta affects the playoff the semifinal game with with ohio with, with the ohio state oh yeah.
1: ohio fans are already i mean they're already on social media and the coach is like this is basically a home game for georgia well, yeah, I get it. It's right up the road. We didn't designate where it was. If you like play it someplace else, just let us know. But we, you know, nobody, nobody, you know, it's not like Kirby slipped somebody some money and go, hey, let's let this thing be in Atlanta. It, that, it was set to be in Atlanta. The Peach Bowl was set to be in Atlanta. If it was someplace else, it doesn't matter. Last year, you know, we played, we played Michigan and Miami. You saw how that turned out. It doesn't. It, at some point in the game, I think when you've got a team this focused and 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 this disciplined, it doesn't matter where you play. It's not going to matter anything. A national championship is going to be out in California. It's not going to matter. I don't think it's. I don't think anybody's going to care. If if you're really focused in, you know, it. it, it are you ready for that moment? I think certain teams like Tennessee. I think Tennessee might have been. They. I think hype will kind of jump the. Uh, jump the gun a little bit as far as um you know being ready right now. I just think I think that you know sometimes certain teams aren't ready for the moment of being that big. They can't handle it. And Kirby got everybody ready to win a national championship last year. And I think that, you know, this team's like, well, we can handle the hype. You know, if we have a bad game, so what? We're still winning. As long as you get the W, it doesn't matter. So certain teams that, you know, that they get nervous. Those guys are not ready for the hype yet. I think you've got to gradually build up to it instead of just getting it thrown on you all at once. And sometimes it's a little shocking. And you forget these are, these are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. Sometimes they're not ready for the limelight. They, they don't know what to do. They just want to play football because that's all they've ever done and that's what they love. Yeah. So
0: I think it's just the expectation difference at times for sure. But uh, we'll, we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll give our score predictions for the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. All right. We are back. We're, uh, closing in on towards uh, finishing out this episode of the hopeless sports Mantid Podcast, podcasts. And again, we got mad dog, Mike, uh, with me, Mike, the mad dog, either way, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> it's, ca- it's catchy either way and it's got dog in it. It's so yeah, all well with it. That's but, all that matters. But, uh, you got to, We were just talking a little bit prior to this, and Mike, you had some interesting points you uh, wanted to hit on when it comes to prediction for the Peach Bowl. Well, it depends on how
1: hungry I think Ohio State's going to come in. Obviously, they are, but I'm wondering if you know how much they're going to be focused on this game and how much they may be looking ahead, thinking that they might want to play Michigan again. I still think that Michigan lost losing two years in a row is, is is just really sitting bad with them. They don't, you know, I know they don't like it. So, I'm wondering if they're going to think that they can just come in here and throw all over us and win this game. Or if they're already thinking, that you know, we beat this game, then we can play, you know, Michigan, which I think is insulting to TCU. TCU, I just counting them out. I think that game's going to be a little bit closer. But my score prediction for this game, if they come in hot and heavy and they want to play, is 38-31 Georgia, of course, Georgia. But – uh, could be more, but it, it also depends on how, how their defense, you know, stops different different aspects of, a, of our run game, if they're able to do it. If not, it could be higher, but i say 38-31 Georgia.
0: So, for me, I've, I've constantly hit on um, the run game for Ohio State. They've had some games where I think the stats are honestly a little bit misleading, where – They'll put up a good amount of rushing yards, but it kind of comes in a situation, I'm looking at the Penn State game especially, the game is kind of already in hand, and you're seeing an Ohio State team that's really kind of stamped their name on this game, and then you break off a huge run that adds 50 to 60 yards kind of to your rushing stats when your yards per carry numbers prior to that are not really where you would want them to be. Yeah. And I still don't really see them as – a and it, I don't see it as a situation where, oh, you're you're wearing them down and you're just establishing your will. But this this is an Ohio State offense that they want to throw the ball down the field. They want to use the plethora of NFL caliber receivers that they have. And I think um, because of that, how George has been able to match up against Tennessee. Obviously, Tennessee doesn't quite have the depth that receiver. And Jalen Hyatt was a little bit kind of – got injured a little bit during that game and the weather. Um, You're playing in a dome. But I think Georgia gets the Ohio State Buckeyes into a spot. It's going to be – I think Georgia's up seven or four, something like that, close in the game. You're at around midfield, and it's fourth and three, fourth and two. Georgia's going to give Ohio State that look. They have to run the ball here. You're going to have to – line up and then just hit the other guy in place you're going to see ryan day do um, one of the the unwritten rules among a lot of us in this southern mm-hmm. gentleman sports show they are going to line up and shotgun in that short yarded situation and they're going to try an inside zone with mine williams and i think you see a jalen carter or a michael williams fly in there and then they blow up the play in the backfield with around the four minute mark. And then you see Georgia put on an absolute showcase as to what a four minute offense is supposed to look like. You suck the air out of the ball. Yeah. You maintain the clock. You hold it. You run, have a seven or eight play drive and you just march the ball down the field and you get that game stealing touchdown with about 30 seconds left to stamp your way to la to then go play the winner of uh T- tcu in michigan yeah so um i think just the skill position gap is splitting hairs either way but the physicality and the trenches that georgia has i frankly think michigan's the only team in the country that can match them in that regard so because of that i have georgia getting their orange bowl rematch with michigan in la for the the national title game. Score prediction for the ohio state game. ohio state i'm gonna say I'll say, I'll say 38 38 31 sounds pretty good i think i'll actually drop it down a bit i think i'll i think i'll go 35 31 oh or okay. even 35 even 42 31 kind of something something along those lines a possession and a half kind of close to what the spread is at here with I think it's at six and a half, and it very well. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to hang 50 on
1: Ohio State like they did LSU.
0: Yeah. I think
1: that was a statement by Monkey. You see how excited Munkin was. Yeah. When, uh,
0: and LSU was just so gassed with, they just don't have the scholarship players.
1: And that. I also think, and it's, this is the thing now that they're in, I also think, I mean, it's, it's,
0: you know, I think those are
1: just stylish points. I think, I think Monkin wanted to hit 50 and because he wanted to ensure that number one spot. He didn't want there to be any question. We hung 50 on LSU in our championship game. We're done. And I, I think, you know, and he yeah, he seemed so excited when, when A.D. Mitchell threw that pass. And it was a pretty good spiral. Yeah. And he threw yeah. it to Washington. Washington. I mean, my God, how are you going to cover him? You, you're going to have to pass interference in before you can cover him. There's, yeah. no, there's no other way. But, so, I, don't, I, I think that was mainly really just stylish. But, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, that's it, it, a good score. I, I think it'll
0: be a good ball game. I think it's just we'll we'll have to see this is a game that can go every which way. I think total score wise, because it all based on very interested to see what the tempo of the game looks like. If Ohio state wants to try to go fast all the time to hit the big plays and Georgia tries to counter that. If Georgia turns it into a slugfest kind of game. Um, But I really don't think I can move too much on what the total margin of victory is going to be. But uh before we uh, close out, Mike, I want to give you a chance to plug your social media and uh, tell us a little bit more about what you want to do.
1: I am uh, at Mad Dog Nineteen on Twitter. I'm at uh, Mad Dog Nineteen Seventy Two on Instagram. I have my own fan page, Mike Dog, uh, uh, Mad Dog fan page on uh, Facebook, in case you want to, you know, get on that, jump on that. But any aspect, I'm always. Uh, I'm always usually having a good time making up graphics, Photoshop and stuff like that. Just
0: uh, you know, you, you know, just uh, dial it in and uh, see my work. This guy is definitely up there uh, in terms of it's for sure Georgia affiliated Photoshop graphics, but he does a whole bunch of teams, and I'm definitely impressed with uh, some of his work. But uh, I appreciate you coming on doing this podcast with me, Mike. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Having excited to. This can be very anticipatory for this next uh, few weeks or so, but uh, for Mike, I'm Taylor. You're listening to this episode, the Hopeless Sports Magic Podcast.